So the title of today's message is Behold. And you can see in your bulletins we have scripture passages where each one of our passages is going to explore, that we're going to explore uh, these scriptures within our message today. And each one has to do a little bit differently uh, how our Bible deals with the word behold. So behold, behold. Do you ever notice that life sometimes comes at you like a fire hose? Like the last few weeks, for example. Now those have been some weeks to behold. Our director of communications went in for surgery about five weeks ago. Her surgery, as it turned out, was more than anticipated, so she's been out ever since then. And so we give her our, our extra love and prayers. And we've been adjusting here as a staff. As a result, Laura's been picking up a lot of the pieces. Behold. A few weeks ago, it was 3.30 in the afternoon on a, on a Friday, I was just coming out from um, the, the, the Jewish home, the rehab center. I was uh, visiting Hank Greer, who had fallen and he had broken his neck. And I got a, I got a call as I got into my car that I was uh, being scheduled for wrist surgery. And it was great, because I needed it. I didn't realize it was going to come, and it was Friday afternoon. And I had... Two days now, Monday and Tuesday, to get all the blood tests and clearances and a heart test and, and do the prep and stuff. Surgery Wednesday morning. So that was a surprise. It was a good surprise. And now I get to do physical therapy a couple times a week. And then Laura and I met with Paul DePrado. And uh, Paul shared some news that even though he wasn't looking, he was offered a wonderful job. And it was so good that Laura and I, well, first we said something that I'm not going to share, but then second, <clears throat> second we said, Paul, we love you. You are going to be dearly missed, and you would be irresponsible not to take this offer. You have to take it. But as our director of administration, that throws some changes. Change happens. And fortunately, as, as we mentioned, so Laura, I mean, uh, Paul had, a, had and has a very good and longtime friend who Paul thought was a great person for the job. We had some discussions with the powers that be. We interviewed, we hired Nick. And we think that this is going to be wonderful. And so Paul has been transitioning, passing the ball, and Nick has been transitioning in. Life gives you changes. Sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. Stewardship season. We heard from John Trainer. Without it, we would collapse. And we're preparing letters, plans, communication. We'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. Along those lines, then we have annual budget meeting today after church, strategizing, evaluating setting goals, needs for the upcoming year. Last week, Sunday afternoon, we celebrated Julianne's ordination. Beautiful service. Good change. Rooms with a view starts in two weeks. The rooms are being built starting, starting this week. We love rooms with a view because it's a huge help 
to allow us to do everything that we do with our ministry and missions. And Chris Phillip and his crew are doing a bang-up job with that. Hamas started a war with Israel with unspeakable acts and bloodshed. And this has been on the forefront of all of our hearts and minds and prayers. And then Laura and I got a call from our Israeli tour guide, Vered Ravid, who we've worked with for the last 14 years and have gotten to know very, very well with all four of our trips to Israel. And she's in crisis. Like everyone in the whole area, on all sides, she said she needs to get out. Could she come and stay with us for a while? There's only one answer to that, which is, of course. So Vered is coming from Israel this Thursday, November 2nd, to stay with us for a couple of weeks. She's going to be here until the 18th. And so we invited her to give the message next Sunday, November 5th, to share her perspective, her experiences, and then give a second hour program after worship. And then we got a call from Rosine Shalala. Rosine is a very well-loved, very long-time member of the church. She is Lebanese. She's from Lebanon. Her family's from Lebanon. She goes there every year, spend time with her family there. Naturally, she's very upset. Lebanon's in the north. She's very impacted. So we have invited Rosine, and she's going to be presenting a second-hour program on November 19th. This is a different perspective. We're going to hear different things than we will from Verid. United Illuminating. <laughs> we found it's taking 35 feet of our land in the back to build 15-story high massive towers looming over our church, taller than our steeple, and cutting down all the trees back there taking our land while residents of Southport and Fairfield and Bridgeport are going through the same things on their property, and we now will all get to look at this forever. And until a few weeks ago, by UI's design, which has been very devious, kept us all unaware of the fact of this impact, not that they were doing something but what they were doing and the impact. Is this an abuse of power? You bet it is, on the biggest level. As a result, Laura and I have been taking a lead, as have been church members, Tim Stewart, Tammy Chapman, Dave Stewart, John Trainer, pouring in huge amounts of time into the legal end of things, becoming interveners, submitting testimony. Laura and I have spent a tremendous amount of time rallying Southport, Fairfield, creating a town-wide protest next week, next Sunday. Be there. This is your opportunity. If you don't, there is no second chance. So many emails, texts, conversations with church members, preschool parents, town officials, lawyers, preparing materials for a whole town, writing letters, creating signs, publicity, ribbons, organizing, volunteers. You. This is honestly been the most important, number one, 
issue that we have ever dealt with here in our 30 years dealing with permanent change on this broad scale, it's massive, worthy of anyone's use of time and money. And then, at the other end of the spectrum, this is all just within a few weeks still, in a beautiful way, we've been making some changes in our courtyard, creating an outdoor sanctuary, which is something that everyone can use. Matter of fact, somebody was there yesterday, noticed this, wrote to Laura and me, and we wrote back and we said, we're glad, we're glad you noticed. It's just what we're aiming for in this world of ours. Creating a space of sanctuary, calm, peace, a place to be with God's presence in nature. And we're able to do this with thanks from a special gift from a church member and from our Memorial Garden Fund. This is just some of what your church, what your ministers, and what our members are doing. So when somebody says, what have you been up to? Life can come at you like a fire hose and knock you off your feet. So the last few weeks have been a time to behold. I stopped in and I talked to the uh, women's group last Thursday and um, and I said, we may not have a sermon this week. Everything has been so much. I almost gave my friend Dante Brittis, who told me, he said, on that Sunday, when you stand up there and when you say, I got nothing, <laughs> give me a call. Well, I started writing yesterday at about four in the afternoon. And I came to this point where, for me, when life gets super crazy at times like this, I think about a couple of things. I think about the word behold, for one thing. And I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Why? Because it helps. And I'll share why. And if it helps me, I think it can probably help you when your life gets a little crazy. So what helps? Let's take a look. First at the word behold. The word behold shows up in the Bible all the way through 990 times in all sorts of circumstances. We just see five of these circumstances here out of the 990. Behold is used to say a variety of things. Like take note. Behold. Embrace this moment. Behold. Savor this. Behold. Pause. Look around you. Comprehend what is going on. Behold. 
Wake up. Pay attention. Something about life is about to change. Behold. And you know what? No matter all the different circumstances that it is used throughout the scripture, the word behold always, every single time, comes at some inflection point in life where there's the way that things life used to be up until that moment and it's going to be no more. Something is about to change in a big way. Pivot point. And it's saying, notice the holy in the midst of what's happening. Wake up. And whatever you do, don't just keep trucking along unaware as if everything is going to continue just as the way it was before because it's not. But there is a way to go about this spiritually in a healing and constructive way. And so we see our scripture passages and we get some direction. Genesis 1.29, God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. Look at what I've given to you to care for. Stewardship of life. Stewardship of this earth. Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that God has made, and behold, it was very good. Behold, don't just take this earth for granted. Like it's just always going to be here no matter what we do to it. As it's, if it's, it's mundane or to be trampled or to be clear cut. This is sacred. Genesis 9.9, Behold, God said, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. Behold, our relationship with each other is sacred. Not a bit of it to be taken for granted. And then we have Luke 126 through 31. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, things are about to change. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Luke 1.38, Mary said, behold, things are about to change. I am the handmaid, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, your will. So let's not think Christmas here. Let's think transformative life situation. Life from a fire hose. 
Let's think of maybe an overwhelming life situation. As in, what do you do when life hits you full blast? What do you do when you get more than you can handle? I think about this when I get overwhelmed. Because Mary guides me back to being grounded and centered and strong in the midst of crazy. Because there she is. By God, Mary, not yet at this point the mother of Jesus because she's still single Mary at this point. Young, about 13 years old. She's going along, minding her own business, just trying to survive in her poor little town in Nazareth. It's still a poor little town. She gets betrothed, like engaged to an older man, Joseph. Next thing she knows, she gets a message saying, Behold, you're with child. Great news. Unless you happen to be 13 years old and unmarried at any time in history, but particularly in that culture where being pregnant in that situation can legally get you killed, stoned to death. Don't believe it? Look what can happen in the Middle East and in many parts of the world today. Mary's in crisis when she gets this news. At minimum, she will be cast out of her village, which means that she and baby are without any support system or resources, which means destitute and shunned for life. So her life, boom, in one moment, hit by a wrecking ball. One minute it's okay, next minute everything's different. Has this ever happened to you? Life turns on a dime. Diagnosis. Job. Accident. Surgery. Divorce. Death. Birth. War. Suddenly everything different. So how did Mary deal with her life turning on a dime? How much time did she spend bemoaning for one thing? Well, she did say, this is the part that I actually love. I love this. (laughs) She said, how can this be since I have no husband? We tend to think of it as, how can this be since I have no husband? How can this be? I don't have a husband. Are you kidding me? I love that they include this. It's the first stage of grief. Shock and disbelief. What? No. This can't be happening. There's some mistake. That's all we hear about that. I don't know if that took a short time or a long time. The next thing she did was radical. She said some powerful words that instantly shifted her state of being from damaged and victim and in crisis to healing and repair, positive, constructive, cooperation, cooperating with God. That changes things. This is where her words are not just for her, 
This is a spiritual practice for us, for anyone hit with change, for our mental health, it's for my mental health. How can we hit the reset button? How can we deal with change? Even if you're just minding your own business, walking along, and bam, you just get knocked off your chair. She says in response, Behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Servant, let it be unto me according to your word, your will. Look at these words in your bulletin. And let's say these words together. From Luke 138. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, in the Christian faith, we don't... uh, We don't do incantations. But I'll say this much. If we did, this would be it. (laughs) Because these are words that change reality. If, if you let these words do their work, they will change you. But it's not just hearing them or understanding them. It's embodying them having them become a part of you. And this power, when that happens, comes in five steps. Go through them quickly. Number one, behold. Take pause, take notice of what is happening. Don't rush this part. Let it impact you. Hold this change that is happening as sacred, letting God in. Don't rush through it. It's uncomfortable. It can be painful. There's something happening here, some shift in your way of living. Number two, I am the handmaid, the servant of God. This is a proclamation from her. This is a self-reminder. When you say this, you exercise your control and power you put a certain stake in the ground where in the face of crisis, you are deciding and remembering, I am the servant of God. This has happened to me. Who am I? What's going on here? I'm a servant of God. This is remembering who primarily am I? What primarily am I here for? And who am I here for? Do you experience situations either bad or good? but you experience them as a servant of God, it's a completely different posture than if you are hit with big change and you're going, I'm in this all alone. Does this fit with my agenda? Ah! Do I like what's going on here? Does this change make me happy? Is it easy? Does it take away from my X, Y, and Z time? So first behold, which may take you five minutes or five months. Second, approach this as I am the servant of God. 
And third, let it be. Really, in the midst of crisis, you're going to take a moment to let it be? Let it be for this moment. Why? Because I can trust God with my life. You can let it be for a moment in the midst of crisis if you trust God with your life. I don't have to be in charge of everything every moment and it's a good reminder. Let it be. Let my life be with you, God. Four, let it be unto me. Allowing me myself to be changed, to be shaped, to be guided in the midst of this. By what? Let it be unto me according to fifth, your will, God. And this is the question of what defines your success and what defines your stress Is your success and your stress dependent on whether you win or dependent on whether you get what you want? I failed at that one. Or do we define our success in getting stressed over whether I'm doing God's will or not? That's different. Not is this messing up my plans, but God, does this mess up your plan? And if so, what am I supposed to do about that? Now, you may not want to do something about that. Why? Because it takes your time, it takes energy requires something of you. It gets you off track of what you want. Maybe it requires your money. (laughs) The question is, what does God want you to do about that? If you think that too many people are getting killed by guns, assault rifles, and you think, oh, that's tragic. What does God want you to do about that? Nothing? Be really, really upset. I don't want to get involved in that. I don't want to get involved in electrical lines and towers. But what does God want me to do about that? Something to protect his church and his world, his environment, maybe protect his children? I don't want to give up my money for that. What does God want you to do? Seriously. Behold, I am the handmaid, the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word, your will. That's who Mary is. And we need to decide 
Who are you in the midst of this? Behold, let it be unto me. I'm the servant of God. Let it be unto me according to your will. That changes things. In the midst of confusion, that clears things up. That changes things. In the midst of crisis, that changes things. In the midst of being overwhelmed, that changes things. And it also changes things in the midst of what's wonderful and beautiful and sacred and good. Because then, too, it deepens that love and that beauty. And it changes you. But it only works, I found, when I remember it and when I practice it. May this become your practice. Try it. For good. Amen.